Hi, I'm Carrie Hi, Sawyer. Carrie. Uh, these are my fans right here. Um, no, um, I like I said last night, this is not my thing, and I'm very tired and exhausted. And you guys are scary because I actually know you. Um, like the other ones, I don't really have to see them again, but I have to see you guys. So um, this is scary. So if you could bow your heads in prayer with me, that would make me relieved. Um, dear Heavenly Father, I come before you with my family, my community, um, and I'm about to share with them what you've taught me over the past few years um, the hard way. Um, and just please do your work through me. Um, use me, uh, even if it's just in one person's life who needs to hear this. Um, do your great work, um, and I'm honored to do it. In your great name, amen. So, like I said, I'm Carrie. And, uh, hey, um, I'm going to be a senior at North Gwinnett High School, um, the school that nobody has heard of until we cream them in football, so that's cool. Um, John's Creek is salty right now. Um, I am, I'm the middle child. I have an older brother and a younger sister that are awesome, and we are goofballs. Many of you know us. Um, Emma was a beautiful dancer last night. She was a beautiful dancer in this photo. Um, and I love them very much. A quick note about Legos, since Matt had a shout out to Legos. Um, my brother and I used to play them, and I was a wonderful child. I used to throw the people. He had this like electric train track where the, the train would actually go around this Lego track, and I would take all the Lego people and I'd throw them in front of it. And like, <laughs> that's how I had fun with Legos. Um, yeah, it didn't really coincide with his story. So he built a hospital out of Legos because of that. Um, anyway, um, I really like to write. That's how I kind of make it through life. Um, I also love photography. And um, for those of you who follow me on Instagram and just know me, I also have a weird obsession with graffiti. So here's a lovely photo I took of graffiti. It'll be up there in a minute. Maybe. Yeah, there we go. Um, and uh, I love the outdoors, whether it's living out of a sea kayak or a backpack for the week. Um, I think tiramisu should be a health food and that morning people should all be excommunicated to an island where they drive each other insane with their cheeriness and I don't have to deal with them. And while we're at it, we might as well make a reality TV show out of it because what isn't these days? Um, <laughs> so my story begins um, when my family packed up and moved to the Netherlands three years ago. Um, a lot of you know that about me. Um, I had a lot of freedom there. Uh, the town was small enough where I could bike across town 15 minutes. Um, I biked everywhere to school. Um, we could bike to Belgium in 20 minutes. Uh, we, could, we went to Germany for groceries and my friends and I could text each other and be like, hey, meet you in the park in five minutes and we'd be there. Um, so I had a lot of uh, freedom. Um, I moved back about a year ago now, um, last summer. And uh, I was hanging out with some of my friends in one of their basements. Um, and my friend saw this picture of me that I'm going to put up here of, oh, sorry, that's the Netherlands. Can you go to the next one? It's beautiful. Yay, I forgot. Um, but this is me and my friend Kayo. We will get to him. 
But my friend saw this, and he looked at me, and he said, Carrie, you look so happy. Why don't you ever look this happy with us? And have you ever looked at yourself or at a picture of yourself, and you see this this papier-mâché version that you've created um, to hide behind as a mask? Like, it looks okay, and you're like, this is me. And that's what everyone else sees, and they assume it's how you are, but you see something else. Have you ever felt lost in a situation whether or not it was in your control or bitter? Maybe your parents sat you down recently and told you that they're not happy together anymore, that they're moving on. Or your friend was just diagnosed with cancer and it's terminal. Or maybe you constantly surround yourself with people, but none of them are your friends. When they said, Carrie, you look so happy, I wanted to laugh in their face and scream, happy? If that's what happy's like, I want nothing to do with it. Because I knew how bitter and empty that girl on the screen was. I want to take you back to two years before that photo was taken when I had just moved to the Netherlands. Um... I left what I called at the time my Christian bubble. This building gave me everything up until that point. Um, I had grown up in this building. Um, I had gone to school there uh, up until then. I, my mom had played piano and had a job there, so I, I went to church there. I was there six days a week, um, and it gave me my friends, my education, my sports, everything. Um, and I left that for a world where I was estranged from my beliefs where my friends and I would be walking down the street and people would ask us if we sold weed, where a sentence wasn't a sentence until it had the F word in every part of speech, or where guys wanted to talk to me. That was new. Um, uh, And though I found friends, um, there was this deeper level that we were missing. We weren't connecting completely because they weren't Christians. I could count the number of true Christians my age on one hand. And um, so I didn't have a strong spiritual community outside of my own family. Um, I didn't have a lot of spiritual encouragement. And I'm a very closed person. um, So I choose what I want to tell to whom. And that's not always my family um, for the sake of not getting in trouble or them thinking differently differently of me or anything. You know what I mean? Um, So that was especially hard for me. And I remember I would curl up on the floor of my shower and I would say, oh God, please just give me one real friend over and over again. By real, I meant someone that I could be real with, someone who was a Christian, someone who understood me more completely. I wanted someone who would forgive me when I made mistakes, who would hold me when I was tired and weary, who would give me encouragement when I wanted to give up, someone who would walk with me always, be with me all the time. And what I needed was Jesus, but I was looking for a person. And this is where that guy, Kayo, comes in. First, there's this band called The Killers, And if y'all don't know who they are, you can stand up and leave because they are my life and they're very important to me and you can't have anything to do with me if you don't know who they are, basically. Middle schoolers, when I said that, they literally started standing up and like shuffling out and I was like, oh, that was a joke, I'm sorry, please sit down. It was really awkward. Um, Anyway, they have this song and um, it says, 
you sit there in your heartache waiting on some beautiful boy to save you from your old ways. He doesn't look a thing like Jesus, but he talks like a gentleman like you imagined when you were young. It's, the song is about this, this girl who has this guy in her life, um, and he's, he's hurtful. Sometimes he can even be abusive, but in her mind, that's, that's the best thing she deserves. That's the closest thing she can find to perfect and ideal like Jesus. Um, and Kyle wasn't that way for me in the beginning. Um, at first, he asked me out, and like the fruitcake I was, um, I said no based on the fact that he wasn't a Christian. But as my loneliness began uh, to grow blacker and darker and more desolate, my resolve began to wane. Um, that doesn't have to stay up there. It's kind of awkward with my face behind me. Um, <laughs> God still hadn't sent me that one real friend that I was asking for that could be with me all the time. And I, my shower conversations grew angrier. And I was like, hey, God, I'm not asking for an entire busload or like 15 people. It's one person. You've done miracles. And I still don't have one, one person that I can turn to in all this. And, um, and so... So I got angry, and, I th- and so I threw myself farther and farther into this relationship with this guy because it was the most tangible thing I could find. Um, I invested myself deeply emotionally, and as time went on, more and more physically, and my physical boundaries began to drop, and we both knew it. Um, the song continues to say, They say the devil's water, it ain't so sweet. You don't have to drink right now, but you can dip your feet every once in a little while. And I was doing that. I was dipping my feet every once in a while in things I shouldn't have. And um, for the sake of my reputation, I did never sleep with. I didn't ever sleep with him. Um, so yeah, but I did do some things that I'm not proud of. Um, and it was during these years that I felt like God was silent in my life, like He was absent, like He didn't want to be there. And um, At the time, I described it as talking to a brick wall. I was the only one who wanted the relationship, and he didn't want me. I'm sorry, I've never cried so far, and I didn't want this to happen, but I'm tired. Woo! I'm a night owl, but I can't go for three days. (laughs) Um, So I remember... um, I I begged, and I cried, and I screamed, and I hurt, and I, God, I want to be with you. I want this relationship. But there's one thing. I did all those things, but I didn't do one, and that was repent. Um, I remember distinctly one night, I was reading my devotional, 31 verses every teenager should know about love. And, um, And I decided that night that enough was enough. At that point, I couldn't read the Bible. It was too concentrated for me. I got angry and irritated when I read words. And so I was like, I can handle a devotional because, you know, it's more like watered down. It's someone else's sort of interpretation of it. Um, And I would pull it out every few weeks and try. Um, But at this point, I couldn't read the words, um, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace without crying and grinding my teeth and being angry. And so I decided enough was enough. I grabbed my Bible and my devotional, and I just chucked them into the back of my closet, and I said, fine, God, I'm done trying to. And I cried what I hoped were my last tears. 
I was too afraid to admit that those irritations I was feeling were convictions. Um, around that time, my friend Juliette, many of you met her when she um, came and visited, she turned 16, and as good friends, we threw a party for her. And so I, uh, I went, and um, I did the usual thing. I was the only sober one there. <laughs> and for those of you who have never experienced that, and I hope you never do, because it sucks, um, it's like an out-of-body experience. I would sit there as my friends drank and, and smoked God knows who, God knows what, because it's the Netherlands. Um, and uh, I would sit there, and I, it was as if I like left my body, and I was floating above them. And I was like, no one is in their right mind, and this is weird. And I sat there, and I remember I had never felt so at home because they were the only thing that I had. But I was so alone because none of them understood me. This is happening again. Wow, okay. Woo! Um... (laughs) And uh, I went home, and I released this, this ocean of hurt that I had inside me, that I had kept in. I had a physical pain in my chest. I tried writing about it for four weeks, maybe, maybe two months. It was a physical pain in my chest, and the closest thing I could get to describing it was that I had a black hole inside me. I was constantly imploding, but I was empty, but I was already full, and it kept happening, and I, it doesn't even make sense when I describe it to you. Um... And I remember I, I curled up in my bed and I, I was beating my chest because I wanted to feel something real and I cried until it was pure salt coming out of my eyes and I screamed for so long and so loud that nothing was coming out. And I knew what true depression was that night. And um, you think you've hit like rock bottom, like you're like, wow, this is a hard surface. But there's a time where in your life where you're like, your life says, hey, Carrie, let's try drilling you farther into this. Um, and that was the next few months for me. Um, during that time, my dad took me sea kayaking in Greece for my 16th birthday. Um, it was really for my 15th birthday, but I took so long planning the trip that I was 16 when I went. Yes, procrastination, folks. Um, and so this is the lovely, um, place where I was paddling around for six, seven, eight hours a day, um, wild beach camping, exploring sea caves, I was so, so excited, Um, but what I wanted to do most was cliff jumping. And the day finally came, we found a spot in this little cove. And as I stood up there, looking out over this blue water, guys, that is blue. That's the color when when you're little, you pull out that blue crayon, and you're like, wow, nothing in the world is really this color. What am I supposed to draw with this? And then all of a sudden, you're in Greece at the Aegean Sea, and you're like, this is the color. And it's a mind-blowing moment. So when you go to Greece, take crayons with you, and you can draw. Um, But I stood, and, and I finally launched myself out into that water, and I felt so transparent and empty and free until I hit that frigid, cold, blue water. And as I kicked up for air, I knew immediately that something was wrong. Um, When I broke the surface, I came up upright, but water, uh, water had rushed into my nasal passages and my ear canals. Um, And if you took fifth grade science, you know that your ear canals, like, Um, Your ears are very important for your balance. So I came up upright, but I felt like I was crooked, 
Um, and so I was trying to correct myself, but I was really just throwing myself back into the water because I was already upright. So I was kind of like flopping around for a while until I finally got some of my balance back and I swam over to um, this rock shelf where I was going to have to pull myself out. And as I got closer, I realized there were about six or seven sea urchins stuck to this uh, rock shelf. And um, I was in a cove, so these waves are crashing in. And you know that water throws off your depth perception. Like you, you think the sea urchin is here, and then the wave pulls back, and it's really sort of over here. Um, so I had no sense of balance, and that was happening. And I had to pull myself out without hurting myself barefoot in a swimsuit because I wasn't going back to civilization for another, like, three days. Um, and guys, that's what I did with my life at the time. I had taken my only sense of balance and my depth perception, and I had chucked it into the back of my closet. And I thought that I could make it out unhurt, untouched, alive, and well. And I was wrong. Um... It wasn't until after that photo was taken and after I moved back to Atlanta last summer that I was able to even pursue any hint of reconciliation with God because he still felt silent in my life. I still felt unwanted, and I was still angry about this. Um, I was angry that he, there was this great absence in my life, and I felt unwanted. And then I went um, on the fall retreat this year, um, and we were singing these lyrics that I'm going to read to you, and I had a little epiphany. And we sang these the other night, and I was, like, bouncing all over the place and crying and sobbing. So if you saw that, I wasn't, like, having an exorcism or something. I was just really happy. Um, uh, it says, you hear the cry of every broken heart. You give the hopeless soul a brand new start. You lead the captive in your freedom song. This is who you are. And in the night when all our hope is lost, you are the one who won't give up on us. You hold the orphan in your loving arms. This is who you are. I know this is who you are. And I believe this is who you are. I realized in that moment, it did not matter how I felt. God is not measured by my emotions. I am a hormonal teenage girl, and if he was measured by emotions, he would be really confusing. Um, think about it this way. I am blessed with loving parents. Um, some of you may not be, but just follow my logic here. If your parents come to you and they say, I love you, if they tell you they love you, and you look at them and you say, nah, I don't really think you do, it doesn't change the fact that they mean what they say and that it is true. God is even more constant than that. I realized in that moment it didn't matter how I felt but what I chose. And in that moment, I chose to believe that God is who he says he is. Following Christ is not a contract that you sign on the line and make into a paper airplane and throw away and go, I'm done, I'm going to heaven. It's 
realizing that every day you are so incredibly broken. You are not just cracks where you can hold yourself together and hope that nothing spills out. You are shattered and on the floor in pieces. And realizing that, yes, you don't deserve unconditional love, but that's what God sent his son to do, to give us unconditional love and to piece us back together by taking our sins upon himself. All he asks is that we walk with him and let him guide us daily. Now that I've told you my story, I want to take you back to a few Bible passages where if I had read them at the time, I probably would have been like angry and like, I can't do this, and chucked it to the back of my closet again. But now I read them and I'm like, oh, this is what I was feeling and I don't know why I didn't have this at the time. So, yeah, it helps. Um, when I was feeling so incredibly lonely and like no one was for me or understood me, um, Psalm, hang on, let me find it, 38, my marker is gone. Wow. Okay. Psalm 38, 12, and 20 says, Those who seek my life lay their snares. Those who seek my hurt speak of ruin and meditate treachery all day long. Those who render me evil for good accuse me because I follow after good. Guys, my friends were not subtle about this. They, were, they wanted to see me fall, and they didn't hide it. We'd be having a conversation, and they'd be like, wait, stop. What did you just say? And they'd be like, did you swear? Like, you know, freshmen, we never said anything wrong, apparently. And, um, and they, I'd be at a party, and they're like, wait, are you going to, like, are you going to take a drink? And, like, I don't know. They, like, want to see me fall. They're like, oh, we'll change you eventually. And having all those people against you, eventually it really does discourage and hurt you. When no one is for you, it hurts. Um, my battleground became this, this relationship that I idolized. And um, Psalm 16.4 says, The sorrows of those who run after another god shall multiply. And if that doesn't describe what happened to me, I don't know what does. I, I was having a hard time with God, and so I ran to something else. I found another God. I found this guy, and I pursued him. And I was wondering why I kept getting hurt and why I was feeling empty and bitter. It says, the sorrows of those who follow after another God shall multiply. And then when I felt... When I felt convicted and I felt separated from God, um, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between, I'm sorry, between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. When I was feeling those irritating feelings, God was saying, Hey, Carrie. You need to give this up. You need to give this guy up. And I was saying, no. And he was like, hey, hey, Carrie, you really should give this up. And I said, no. And I kept stacking up my nose until it built this obstruction, this separation from God. And I was wondering what was happening as I was doing it. It was me. Um, that night when I felt so incredibly lonely, Psalm 38, um, 4 and 10 says, For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. 
My heart throbs. My strength fails me. And the light of my eyes, it has also gone from me. Guys, it says my heart throbs. That means I have a black hole in my chest. When I read that, I broke down because, like, David or whoever wrote this, I'm assuming it's David because it's a psalm, like, he had experienced the same feeling in his chest, and he said, my heart throbs. Um, I thought all my second chances with God were gone, and that there was no way that he could want me again. Um, and I was, I was wrong, though. When I had that little epiphany at the retreat, um, it reminded me of Job. Someone, sh- someone showed me this passage later, but um, as I read it, I was like, wow, this is sassy, God. Um, this is literally the best thing God has ever said. Um, Job had been experiencing some doubt, and um, he had been questioning God, and um, God is just a straight-up sass in here. Um, Job 38, he's like, dress for action like a man. He's like, prepare yourself for a smackdown. Um, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined the measurements? Surely you know. You seem to know everything. Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? And I want to be like, yeah, God, I've seen some pretty dark times. I've seen the gates of deep darkness. But in this context, I've seen nothing. I, I am no one to question that God is for me. Um, now that I've told you all this, I, uh, I want to tell you some, some truths and some lessons that I've learned. This will be fast. Um, so that maybe you can avoid all this um, and just hear it from me. The first is it's okay to express your doubt to unbelievers. Um, I often find that that has more impact than when I'm ready to get on the rooftops and go, Yay, Jesus, you're the best! Because it is proof that I have thought through my relationship with God and that I have chosen it and it is something that I value and that I'm really thinking through. Too often my friends accuse me of, well, you were born into a family who believed this, and so it's like in your genes, or like, of course you believe it, you were taught that. But when I was like, guys, I don't know if I believe this anymore, I'm really struggling here, often they actually were like asking me questions that sort of like pushed me back. It was this weird thing. They didn't know they were doing it, but they were, so. (laughs) The second thing I want to say is, if you're having a hard time with God, do not use it as an immediate excuse to ditch a moralistic or Christian lifestyle. Just, be things, just because things between you and God are hard, do not use it as an excuse to go out and start partying or start experimenting with drugs or going farther with your boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever it is that is the, like this thing that you want to do in your life. Do not throw everything out the window just because things have started to get hard. The third thing I want to say is um, you might be sitting here and be saying, hey, Carrie, I'm examining my life. I'm looking into myself. And there is nothing as obvious as your toxic, not right relationship here that you weren't supposed to have. There's, there's nothing that I'm idolizing here. And for one, 
I highly doubt that. We all have our idols. Might be very different from mine, however. Secondly, um, perhaps you're right. Um, perhaps God is instilling a greater hunger and thirst for him in your life, a deeper desire to know him, um, just as we hunger and thirst for food. And that is okay. That is a good thing, though it may be hard. There's one last thing I want to tell you. Um, for those of you who have experienced um, darkness and depression um, and struggle, um, or those of you who have friends who have, I guarantee you, all of you will either experience this or someone very close to you, most likely more than one person will. Um, and often people say, they say that it's temporary, that this will go away, that you'll be okay. One morning you'll wake up and it will be gone. And it's just a season. But I am here to tell you that personally, no one can promise you that. I can't promise you that. For me, it is my personal demon. It is my struggle. And I think it always will be. Probably always has. And I can't promise you that it will be gone. There are so many mornings when I don't think I can get out of bed. And it's not because it's 5.50 in the morning and I have to go to school. They say it's temporary, but I can't promise you that. Um, okay, sorry. This isn't supposed to happen. I promise I'm done, almost. Um, I want to leave you with a challenge. How might your life be different if you simply chose to believe every day? Perhaps your spirit would feel encouraged. Perhaps you hear something God's been telling you, but you haven't wanted to hear. Perhaps you'd end a toxic relationship and your load would begin to lift. It won't be easy. I'm not saying it will be. I know what it's like to shut everyone out because you don't want to infect anyone with this darkness that you feel inside. I know what it's like to stand on top of a high place and close your eyes and think how easy it would be to tip forward. I know what it's like to see blood and wonder if the slip of the razor was on accident or not. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's simple. What radical changes in your life would occur if every morning you said you laid the measurements of the earth, you have walked the recesses of the deep and seen the gates of darkness. Search me and know me and heal me because I believe you are who you say you are. I am yours and you are mine. Dear Lord, um, I'm here um, with my family again. And, um, and some of them have, have seen some pretty dark times. Some of them... Um, have friends that they're trying to help. Um, some of them are scared. And uh, I want you to just instill strength for today and a bright hope for tomorrow. I want you to give that to everyone in this room. Um, you know that we need it, that we need you. Show up for every person in this room, God. We know you are there, but 
Let us feel it, God. Um, even though that's not important, sometimes it's an encouragement, God. Please just show up for these young people today um, and just remind them of how great and powerful your matchless name is. In your great name, amen.